0: Have uh, one week of the uh, retreat, winter's retreat, right almost to the uh, spring equinox. So. Contemplate the, you know, this sense of uh, something coming to an end. Just to, you know, contemplation is to to. Uh, not to analyze or think about it but just to notice the, the difference with the way things begin and end something that begins and you, you still don't know what it's in the future and now most of the Winner's Retreat is the past in the sense of it finishing or ending is like this noting so the beginning of something, the birth uh, is always this uh, the unknown Uh, you know you can look forward, you can dread beginning of a winter's retreat, you know, you look forward to it, anticipate, uh, or you might dread it, having three-month silent retreat, because it's unknown what, you know, what will happen, and be silent, and and all this, and one can uh, dread about what, Possibilities of misery or or possibilities of insight and bliss is unknown. The future is the unknown. And then the past is we remember what's happened much of what has happened or some of what has happened over since the retreat began. So the past is his memory what we remember in the future is what we don't know. And now is the knowing. So he's establishing this this sense of now, patubana dhamma in the Pali word, the here and now Dhamma. <coughs> You know, in the pure presence is ever transcending, this, this uh, reiterated over and over again, pointing always to the wake up now. Enlightenment is now. Uh, unconditioned, uh, nibbana, uh, non-self, uh, uh, desirelessness, purity is now. And so that this is, this, uh, what, what can we actually, how can we relate, relate to, to the now is to awaken to it, isn't it? Cause it's not a memory, now is not a memory, and, and it's something that we can know directly, so it's not the future, what, what we don't know, now is the knowing. This is the way it is. It's like this. In the uh, and this, of course, is something to to keep re- reminding yourself. Like all the the meditation techniques, or the devotional practices, or whatever re- religious forms, icons, symbols, chanting, and all the rest, isn't meant to be some kind of uh, uh, superstitious. Uh, um, thing that we hold to but to uh, to keep reminding us awaken now in the the uh, and even though we we can understand this and appreciate it, uh, it's a, it's an imminent act in the present very simple and it's not it's not like when we talk about right effort it's it's not too much effort like wanting to be here and now holding to the idea of awakeness and being awake now we can we can go over the top you know just try too hard so I've got to pay attention I've got to be mindful I've got to really you know look at my body and breath and listen to the sound of silence and you know And that's like grasping the idea, isn't it? And then really uh, putting forth enormous effort. Mm -hmm. And all you do is is end up just being totally frustrated. Because it's, uh, you know, you just, you get a headache. Or you just uh, drive yourself uh, into despair. You're just trying too hard. Or the other thing, just just uh, the idea that you shouldn't use any effort. And, uh, there's some, some various teachings that you shouldn't use effort, so you don't use any effort. Then you just fall asleep or your mind just wanders all the time. So, those are, the, those are the two extremes, isn't it? Like too much effort and not enough effort and right effort, some uh, way isn't it? Where you, you, you're beginning to sense a balance. And that's why it's awakened awareness, isn't it? Isn't, I've got to pay attention and be awake, in a kind of uh, uh, an imperative. Uh, that you're using to to kind of make yourself do something, but to be awake and aware is a very simple act. Listening, learning to relax and to trust. And these, uh, you know, it takes time and a continuous kind of willingness to fail and start anew. Uh, you know, over the years, as you keep practicing, and, and that's why, why I keep saying, trusting yourself, trusting your ability to know what you are <laughs> experiencing. You know, it's uh, you, you know, not not a matter of you can't know what if what's really happening or what's going on. You've got to depend on a teacher or some somebody. Uh, you know something else, uh, or it's the, it's the danger of always conceiving yourself in terms of being a, a personality that is a certain type, certain problems, certain uh, shortcomings and faults and and uh, things that we've got to do in order to become. And that's the way the world. Is. We do it to each other. We think he's like this, she's like that. He's got a problem with anger. She's got a problem with with uh, low self-esteem, and all and on like that. And we we can kind of hold these things in as if they were, you know, a kind of permanent person, personality about each other, about oneself. But an awakening state here and now. And that awakening, there's no, there's no person and, 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 you can even, you can, you can be aware of, of what, you know, the kind of assumptions you have about who you are and what you're like. That is like to, with Buddha's teaching, this idea of starting at ground zero. There's no, like the, the, they call it the, in Zen, the, the man of no fixed position. There's nothing to grasp. There's no doctrine to grasp. You're not operating from a, from some kind of thesis or premise or, or doctrinal position. It gives you nothing, isn't it? In Buddhism really doesn't give you anything to, to grasp. And then of course, we, we find that that's rather frightening because we would like to be told, well, should I believe this or is this right? And you know, we'd like to have something to grasp uh, and because then we, and we know how to grasp and we feel, uh, you know, some sense of relief at being able to grasp things. But to not be anybody, and have nothing to do, and be enlightened in the present emotionally is just—that's very threatening. You just want to scream because emotionally we're we're uh, conditioned to be a person and to. Uh, to um, believe in, in, in all the things that we that we grasp believe the the ignorant views and positions of the society we're in and it gives us a sense of security to believe in in, in things that that everybody else believes in because then it it kind of support each other's ignorance but to start from ground zero from here and now at this point the axis mundi the still point the bodhi tree the place of enlightenment that's the conundrum isn't it of of this life and so it's like you're suspended you don't what? I don't know. But in that, what I don't know, that that sense of not knowing, is it uh, stops the the thinking mind, and but there's an awareness. It's like you're you're learning to pay attention, to be awake, just to. Just to, for even if only lasts for two seconds, listening the Soda vanta is that poised state of being. It's not like deep samadhi and uh, going into the the jhanas. It's the point of awakened awareness in the present. And so it's it's overlooked, you know, most of our lives we don't, even though we, we, we uh, experience that, we don't really, we're not conscious of it, we don't value it, because the programming of the mind, the, the emotional habits and the Culture that we live in is very much based on becoming, on attainment, on getting, changing, acquiring, getting rid of things. So it's an ongoing kind of trying to. You know, we easily use meditation as some kind of something we've got to get. I'm just a beginner, and I've got to get get it and be better at it, and and uh, you know get rid of my defilements. But in that simple act of sotavanta, of listening, it's like uh, pure presence is ever transcending. There's an awareness, isn't there, of, of that reassumption that I'm somebody who's got to do something in order to become something better in the future. If you trust in this practice, it's like you—you you learn. It's like you're suspended almost, just kind of suspended in thin air, just hovering. This is just my my uh, way of expressing. And you learn to trust in that state. Because there's nothing else to trust in. Everything else is takes you into the you, know, you start remembering the past or planning for the future. So, you know, the mind will always find something well, in, in uh, holy life isn't it? Sometimes you find yourself obsessed with just trivial little things. Even after years of profound intensive practice suddenly your mind just, just gets obsessed with whether somebody likes you or not. It's like a void, isn't it? It wants to be filled. Anything will do. Uh, you you kind of wish you could could uh, fill it with kind of profound and interesting and worthwhile subject. But sometimes this in that state of whatever goes in there sometimes is can be quite, uh, you know, in terms of our value systems, trivial or or ridiculous, not worthy. Kind <laughs> of. So don't let that bother you if your mind goes, gets petty and and all that. I mean, just, learn to trust in in just. That's okay, you know, it's not, not a matter of judging that, but of just not making a problem about it and then awakening again into the silence in that state of pure attention. So, ye Soda one time by moon two satang. It's an act of faith, a sada, of just relaxing into the present. Sounds easy, but but it's not something where we're conscious of. Now, I mean, probably when you've had mystical experiences before or had some kind of blissful experiences, you actually, that's what's happened. You just let go of yourself and, and all that. And it's kind of relaxed into pure being. But that was if, you know, usually it's, it's more by accident. Uh, and, and so you, you know, you think, oh, that's really great. And then you, you you want to you want to have it again, but in um, meditation, and so I have to let go of the memory of it. You know, not not trying to to conceive it or remember previous experiences, but learning to relax into the present, just letting go. Is willing to be with the way it is, you know, with the tensions of the body, with the with the uh, state of mind you're in. It's not a matter of you know just trying to get rid of it, but it, of just accepting even the the uh, unpleasant, unwanted uh, conditions that you're experiencing. This desire to get rid of things is very strong. You're just wanting to to uh, to get rid of pain or bad thoughts or emotional hang-ups. So, in it, it's because this is such a strong desire. And, uh, I found it helpful to do to, uh, to, uh, embrace and welcome I would even say that you can stay forever if you want you know, or please don't go away <laughs> And becoming quite simple-minded, in fact, like like willing to, to uh, you know, not become quite quite like almost like a moron. I mean. not rather than a, trying to become a, a wise a sage of some sort, mm-hmm. an authority on meditation, and you can get interviewed by what is enlightenment or tricycle or Buddhist society In uh, in contemplating uh, our life as as uh, alms mendicants, as samanas, uh, recognize that uh, you know where sometimes we get confused as we we don't clarify what we're doing. We not we we tend to maybe come from from some kind of vague ideas or inspiration. Or we can, you know, we can, you know, think that we have to do this. We have to, There's the only way you can do it is by becoming a monk or a nun. And, and uh, we have to do it this way. So no, that these are, uh, even to, to be able to see these, these kind of ideas we have. is Not that they're wrong even, but, but attachment to those ideas. Always create it will be will bring suffering. Like monastic life, if we're doing it just because we feel we have to or we should, and grasping that, then then it does become dreary, just like anything else does. Marriage or any profession or anything becomes boring and dreary when it becomes merely an act of compulsion and and assumptions and and uh, duties. Monasticism, you know, is because it is a kind of high-minded way to live, isn't it? Quite refined in its own way. I mean, when I, when living in monasteries for th- over thirty years, and you forget sometimes—at least I do—what, what the rest of the population of this planet is having to put up with. Right. <laughs> It, uh, you know, because we do live on a quite quite a refined level of of experience. Then we do become very sensitive to it, because we're you know the the life itself is is learning to let go of all the defences and all the kind of way we protect ourselves from the world in the world you you've gotta you know find ways of kind of protecting yourself from uh, the survival of, of the fittest you know learn how to survive in the jungle because it's not there. you know it's, it's very competitive life usually and you gotta find a way to make a living and you've got to uh, you know just get out there and kind of do the best you can and uh, In in a society that isn't even, doesn't even adhere to any kind of agreed moral standard anymore. And that it's not. I remember uh, just, uh, you know, when I was a boy growing up, this 60 years ago, the idea, I mean, even, uh, you know, even the. uh, now, there were certain things that that you, that even the worst uh, boys never did, like and never beat up old women. That was just unheard of. Or you know they'd go and beat up or rape an old woman with, or snatch her purse or something like that. With, I've never heard I never heard of it of that happening uh, when I was a boy. And, and the idea of anyone that would do anything like that, even among the 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 most delinquent, see, there is even a kind of nobility even among criminals and delinquents. You know, there are certain things one would just never stoop to do. It would be so low. And, and now you hear that it's quite common. You know, you hear old ladies in London living alone are going to live in terror. They're going to be Raped by young boys, or, or going to be, you know, beaten up, murdered. But I mean, I'm from a previous age, like the dinosaurs, where you, there was, <laughs> seventy million years ago. <laughs> This was in the United States, you know. It wasn't England either. Where, where there was a sense of, of honor. Like when you fought, you never kind of hit below the belt. And there's, there's kind of things that, you know, the ideals of, of manhood and kind of gentleman, uh, being a, a gentleman that, that we adhered to even even as children. And now that's all. That doesn't seem to have much. Uh, you know, it seems like all there's no you know, below the belt's fine. You know, just win. You know, get in there first and win. And uh, there's there's not common uh, agreement on on moral issues anymore. So it's like like uh, to kill and even you know like capital punishment or. The idea of trying to go into Iraq and kill Saddam Hussein is, is, to a lot of people, seems like a good idea. You know, just get him out of the way. Send the CIA in some kind of secret plot. All these intelligence organizations just knock him off. And be, you know, expedient. But in terms of morality, isn't it does not. That doesn't work just in bana di bata it's not so even on the you know you can kind of condemn the Serbs for going into into Kosovo and and chopping up a few Albanians but also you know we're quite Americans were quite willing to to jump onto Baghdad and with all their weaponry and and uh, you know which would involve the slaughter of a lot of uh, quite innocent people. Because of the, morality, it's, it's power, isn't it? It's more a question of power, not of moral agreement. So the world is like that at this time. It's it's not a, not, uh, a world that that knows what it's doing and has no, no common goal for itself. It's more or less trying to affluent, uh, develop an affluent society is about the, what I think, probably the common denominator of what everybody, what most people would want. <coughs> But that's uh, degradation, isn't it, of the human, of our humanity, just to, you know, just to use our lives just for s- developing some kind of material affluence. Meaningless. There is no, you know, when, even if, when you do have it, you know, you still, your life is, has no, no purpose, no meaning. It's just, uh, you know, you have wasted your 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 life on nothing worthwhile. So the, the, what you know what we're doing here, recognize that it is uh, something that that uh, is rare. Not uh, not something that when you live here all the time, you think it's quite ordinary. Then, when you go outside, you realize how rare it is—the kind of commitment and the 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 refinement of the life, the high moral standard, the agreed moral standard, uh, and then the the way of relating to each other in terms of of developing. Good manners and respect, and and uh, trying to help each other and cooperate. But in spite of all that, it's still difficult, isn't it? And even though when you have a community like this, it's, it's still difficult because emotionally, we're you know we still get carried away. We have we still get lost. We still forget. We still have uh, desires of uh, instinctual desires and and emotional needs and and habits that hang around and that are uh, that that still uh, you know influence on how we. Our behavior in the present. So that's why it's not a matter of trying to get rid of it and, and try to deny it or even change it, but understand it. And so understanding is isn't isn't analyzing, but willing to to put it in the context of what it really is. It's like this. that you you know, understanding dukkha or suffering is the first noble truth is is the willingness to really admit suffering is like this right now it's like this that's understanding it so it's, it's, it's an intuitive uh, acceptance of what you're experiencing it's not it's not a criticism or we're not trying to blame it on anything or analyze why do I why do I have to feel like this? But feeling like this is like this, and so then your mind is uh, is is uh, open and receptive to what you are feeling, physically, emotionally. And as you trust in your ability to accept, understand and accept what you're feeling in the present, then you're also, uh, you, you become aware of, of that it's changing. It's a Nietzsche. The three characteristics then we use, anicca dukkanata, as a way of, of uh, contemplating experience in the present. When the uh, retreat finishes, mm-hmm. keep. I found uh, very much still like developing the the awareness around the sound of silence helpful. So that going into uh, keeping busy, having things to do, I still use that uh, and developing it in in situations that it's very difficult with noises. Or in the middle of a meeting, or in the kitchen, or in the in some some place, you know that that you 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 get uh, easily lost or caught up. So I and I also develop a, a kind of real really uh, enormous respect for the sound silence. So when I wake up in the morning are you there? Yes. There it is. Just there. st you're always there. Just, you're still there. Good morning. There's a way it was just my hoopai or means of it. not just seeing it as a noise in the ear that you've got to pay attention to. But but uh Using it as a, you know, developing a kind of love for it and respect. So then you you go, you have to go to a, a a meeting, a work meeting, and then you know there's going to be some acrimony. Somebody's going to, you know, got something on their mind and acts to grind, and you just dread going to this meeting. so you feel this dread but then are you still there? and you say oh well at least you know you'll be with me (laughs) so then you you know during the meeting you have a you're not just caught in just grin and bear it and put up with it and the totally negative kind of uh, um, you know uh, reaction but It can also develop this 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 sense of uh, of this uh, silence and trust and relief, you know. It doesn't really matter if people lose their tempers and and say terrible things or what happens. It doesn't really matter. It's worldly. Because you've always got this silence with you. You've got a refuge. It's not the world isn't. You don't have to... Have harmony and peace among all the members of the society, and, and they feel all right. You know, you're not going around. Oh, please, let's let's not lose our tempers now. Let's not say anything we shouldn't, and let's not rock the boat. And let's, uh, you have got to be careful because that that one is really, you know, sensitive person to blow up if you say the wrong. you have got to be really careful. And you go, oh God, you know. Walking on eggshells, pussy footing. <laughs> <laughs> and life is like that. You know, we got a pussy foot around life. Somebody's going to get upset or offended if you, you know, if you raise your voice, if you're too loud, or you're too, you're too soft. <laughs> What I think, if you want my opinion, so loud and noisy, American, like. Yeah. <laughs> if you want my opinion, why don't you speak up? Not irritating, you don't have to strain to hear you, you're just always talking so I like you're afraid. Uh, too soft, too loud and uh, and there's a disagreement on, you know, whether you should paint the wall purple or chartreuse (laughs) but then are you still there? oh, everything's all right. I mean, it's, a, it's just a, my my way. I I developed it is a, uh, so that it, it's meaningful to me. It's not, and 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 I trust it because as you trust it more and more, then you you can. Then the, then the worldly conditions aren't so important to you. You know, they're not. You you know, whether you get your way or people appreciate you or whatever, it's it's no longer so important when you've got this refuge. But if all you've got is yourself as a person trying to make it in the world, then, then, you know, you're really set up for suffering. Because not everybody's going to, you know, appreciate you. They're going to oftentimes try to humiliate you. You know, if if you're a threatening person, if you... If you're, if I think you're, you're better than I am, then, uh, you know, I've got to, on the personal level, I've got to kind of make sure that you, you know, keep you in your place and things like that. The survival, you know, on the personal level, because, you know, I've got to survive as a person. That's all I have is my personality. You know, I don't want to be, have to live in this world of feeling that I'm just humiliated and looked down on. I want, I want to be respected. I want a lot of things out of life to, so that I, I'll feel okay. I'll feel secure and all right about myself. <clears throat> but if, if there's no person, the personal side isn't important anymore are you still there? it's okay <laughs> because then it's, uh, you know you, then you can see this kind of this this thing in oneself that is uh, so frightened of uh, life and so so threatened and so and, and unstable and insecure because it on that level it is the uh, the conditioned realm is unstable and insecure. No, it's, it's just the way it is. You know, it's not not your fault. It's just the, the way the conditioned realm is. It's the annichadukarmata. But if if your only identity, you know, and your only refuge is being a person, a personality, being somebody, then then you are set up for endless bouts of dukkha and disappointment because that's all you can expect you you, you you're, you're only operating on that level uh, and uh, and then you can only be the top and the best for a while Then somebody else comes and becomes the the winner or you you know you lose your job or you you get old and have to retire. You have a stroke, or you, or you're made redundant, or something happens. You know, on the condition plane, you know, you you can't stay uh, at, at kind of a, at a fit peak for very long. <laughs> But no matter what, you know, your teeth fall out, you go blind and deaf. You have osteoporosis in your back. Uh. Are you still there? Uh. (laughs) So that they, this uh, sense of, uh, has that let, that is like the the sign of, of transcendence, and that point there. That just at that moment, pure presence. That's pure presence. Now you're 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 noticing that. You're noting that. That's pure presence. It's not just some kind of cosmic sound that buzzes, that is, you're, you're noting and that when you really tune in and trust, then, well, it, you begin to, it's sustainable. And when you, when you're, when you can rest in it and be there, then, you know, you, you can also Get a much more clear perspective on, on the emotional habits you have. Mm-hmm. Not judging, but just, you you know them, and they, they're, they're like things that, clouds in the sky, things that come and go, but they're, n- they're no longer making a problem about it. Or being intimidated or frustrated by it. It does seem like a, a timeless experience. Like, just now, I just, I see, time just seems so unreal. You know, just uh, how rapidly, uh, you know, the, how how time used to seem so real to me, like each year. I still think, what well, happened to 97, 1997? It was only a second ago, <laughs> uh, you know, we're well into 98, uh, and 88 was only five seconds ago, <laughs> or ten seconds ago, and, uh, but the... Uh, Forty years ago, on, on in 1958, Somebody's mentioned 1958. 1958. I was uh, finishing off my university degree. <laughs> that doesn't seem very long ago. I went to Mexico that summer. <laughs> Drove from Seattle, Washington, in an old Ford, down to, all the way down the southwest to the west coast, Mexico, down to Mazatlan, and then to Guadalajara, Mexico City, and then up the east coast to Brownsville, Texas, and then up the southern part of Texas to El Paso. That was only a few seconds ago, wasn't it? And and so this was, you know, it doesn't seem long ago as I can remember, the memory is still quite strong. Looking in the mirror now is quite a good lesson, because you said, Who's that old guy? (laughs) (laughs) He just came back from Mexico. And you're only, you're, you're only 20, 22, 23 years old. <laughs> so, so the, this is, this the, the sense of time with it and the sound of silence and that kind of meditation as you, you, you do begin to, you know, emotionally find it sometimes quite strange is. uh because emotions are very much, you know, conditioned around time. They rea- believing in the reality of time and personality. So it is like, it is, you know, that's where it's the unknown. It's, it's, uh, it's like don't know. It's unknown. That state of attentive awareness is the gate, isn't it? Soda-wantah attention listening so then you your mind is is in a state of open it's ground zero it's open there's nothing there but pure pure presence So in that, as you, as you stop resisting or just overlooking or ignoring, it, then then of course the things begin to you understand enlightenment. You see things. You know. You know directly. You know things as they really are. And you're not. You're not trying to make life conform to ideas you have anymore or try to, to uh, operate from theories and, and doctrines. But it's the pure presence and pure knowing, pure wisdom, pure intelligence. That is your true nature. as you open and trust and awaken. And then you, more and more, you know the truth. Realize the Dhamma. So, I offer this as a reflection for this evening.